Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Gridiron Blitz. Uh, 275 in the house, Memorial Day edition, the Gridiron Blitz. Your host, Oscar Lopez here. Uh, so if you're catching us on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Cast, Player FM, and Block Talk Radio, and soon we are going to be on iHeartRadio. So it's going to be great excitement. Uh, so any platform that you choose, we're on that platform pretty much at this point. So thanks to everybody for uh, listening, checking in, and sharing and posting. Uh, awesome. So we'll be uh, talking NFL for a little bit as well today, but a lot of action happening in the WFA as we get closer to the playoffs. A lot of stuff happening in the WNFC. One more week to the playoffs. Same thing happening in the WWCFL in Canada. One more week, and then we get into the co- uh, cross-conference semifinals, and then jumping into, I'm sorry, the quarterfinals, and then the cross-conference semifinals. So big weekends coming up here in June 1st as well as we have Legends Football League Omaha taking on uh, Nashville Knights and that at Realm of Things. We also have action in the WFL in Mexico, uh, also action in Lexville and over in FX Mexico as well. FXL kicked off in Mexico as well. So a lot of things to chat about in the next two hours, and we're going to get to it. Uh, So if you guys haven't checked out the uh, hub, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You get everything, all the rundown there in terms of what's happening in the women's game. What an amazing weekend in the WFA. We had the clash of the St. Louis Slam taking on the Minnesota Vixen. And now we have a statement game by the Slam coming into this year, just completely retooled, ready to go. And they are probably the most dominant team in the whole WFA. I mean, not to take away from Boston or take away from D.C., or Cali War, but when you're talking about offensive output and what they're doing with their scheduling and what they're trying to get done, they are a very scary offense. And you got to see it on uh, Town Square TV via the Minnesota Vixen as well this weekend. So you go to the hub, uh, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. You can check it out there. We have coverage there of everything that happened this weekend, including WNFC, Houston Heat against Atlanta, 30 to 0. Atlanta rebounds, gets ready for this playoff uh, coming up here for the WNFC. We also had, obviously, D.C. Divas in action against Columbus. Columbus played a really offensive, good game. Just unfortunately, the Divas a little bit more talented than they were. But uh, overall, Columbus played an outstanding game versus a top-tier D1. So that was really good to see as well. And you can catch it via D.C. Diva football on Facebook. So there's a lot of things that happen at the Hub. So go there now. Check it out, as well as we have action from Mexico. Uh, Tercer Cuarto, Tercer Tiempo. We had a lot of action from Brazil as well. You can catch the third week there and the championship coming up in Brazil. Uh, RIC Media was there as well. And LFP, the Liga de Pacifico de Football, it's kicked off as well. And that was uh, courtesy of TVP in Los Mochis, uh, Mazatlan, and Culiacan, and as well as uh, Cam Media over in South Mexico. So a lot of things happening in the world of women's American football. 
All you need to do is go to the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauties. Uh, top of everything else, thanks everybody for posting, sharing, and engaging on our post. Uh, just post engagement on our page on Facebook, a uh, 6% increase this week. So we're at 13,160 on post engagement. So we have 6,000 followers and we're engaging double the amount of followers that we have. So thank you everybody for doing your part to spread the awareness of the sport um, that the amazing athletes that play women's American football, not just domestically, but internationally and globally. Uh, in a couple minutes here, we are going to have in the house a college football guru and NFL guru, Troy Wilson. Uh, we will not have the panel today. Uh, Holly Custis obviously still playing WNFC, Mackenzie Brooks with the Iowa Phoenix WFA, and obviously um, Luis Bean relocating back to Utah and kind of helping out Utah with that run towards the NFC uh, Pacific Conference as well. So all three of our panelists are not going to be back with us until probably early uh, preseason NFL, but that's okay. Uh, as soon as they get done, they'll be back on the panel and take care of that. But we'll have Troy Wilson in the house uh, today in a, in a couple minutes here. We're going to talk NFL. Big news came out of the NFL today. NFL lockout, probable NFL lockout. Uh, NFLPA warns players to save money for the, a possible 2021 work stoppage. Um, so that was kind of huge coming out right now. And so it's kind of anticipation for the players. Um, good, I guess it's a good thing for the Players Association to kind of forewarn their players in terms of, you know, what would be the worst case scenario would be a 12-month stoppage where if you can't come to an agreement, um, they have to facilitate and kind of manage their funds to make sure that they're taken care of, uh, including their families, in a case worst-case uh, worst scenario, which would be a stoppage in 2021. Uh, considering what you have on the horizon, which is the XFL, you would think that's a good idea because maybe the talent pool issues with that's going to come about. Um, but overall, that's what came out uh, today in various sources. One of our sources that we uh, uh, linked it out was, I think, foxbusiness.com and SB Nation. And they were the ones that were uh, basically bringing that out today in terms of what's going to happen. Um, we also have sort of, you know, the 32 teams in terms of what's going to happen with quarterbacks. So there's a couple articles at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Um, You know, the biggest question for all 32 teams, uh, including Cap Newton's return from health in terms of surgery and obviously the Pat uh, Patriots pass rush. We also have an article there about how the Patriots probably have the easiest schedule for the third year in a row. So there's uh, probably a lot of people, um, I don't know, questioning the fact that it's too easy in the NFC and the AFC East to get through that schedule and, I mean, be always prominent and ready for the playoffs. And at this point, they know what they, you know, we know what they do in the playoffs. This kind of just take over and uh, they get in. But I guess you can't blame them for the fact that the scheduler is made ahead of time and, things are made that way unless you are sort of like a critic of some sort saying okay this is kind of conspiracy type mentality where they're giving the Patriots kind of an advantage in a way um, highly unlikely that that's happening but uh, reality is there is a bit there on um, uh, courtesy of the Washington Post that you can read up there on New England's uh, pretty much a soft schedule if you want to call it as you're coming up on that so I don't know, you know, what to say at this point, but we'll we'll talk about it. Uh, Troy will be coming in in a couple minutes. We'll kind of sit down on it. Uh, congratulations to the Aguas Calientes Crushers who win the La 5B uh, Bajo Championship. So you can check it out there at the hub as well. 
and at the hub. You can get the game, watch it. San Diego Rebellion, courtesy of San Diego Rebellion. It was the San Diego Surge taking on the uh, San Diego Rebellion. They also did a top five plays of the week eight WNFC. So check out that video there also at the hub. So pretty awesome things. Uh, we already knew San Diego rebounding from the uh, Majestics high. We kind of anticipated that that was going to happen. Uh, and it sort of happened. Gidry and company, they go back to their way. Casey Clark, everything kind of spread out again in terms of, of the surge. Um, at this point, it is highly unlikely that they're going to you know, go into another matchup here and lose. they got one more week left. They really need to make a statement in the rankings. Um, they're in the playoff mode at this point. They just got to kind of solidify themselves either at number three or number four or even a number two at this point. But overall, San Diego made a good statement game there, um, 47-27 uh, against the Rebellion. We talked about the Rebellion, very gritty, very hard. They play really good, uh, solid defense. Unfortunately, they're one-dimensional on offense, and the only offense in this game was literally Nenji Martin, uh, and there was nobody else in that game. And a one-man show is not going to beat a, a talented uh, group that is the San Diego Surge, and unfortunately, the result shows it. Uh, San Diego now literally in a pickle because they have to go. Uh, we, we, we look at week nine right now, final week of the WNFC, uh, Alabama against uh, North Florida. North Florida in a really uh, must-win game here. They had a scrimmage game last week, non-league play. Hopefully they tuned up some things there. Rematch week seven, uh, Alabama beat them 38-13. to so this is a kind of a rebound game for them. A must win for the Pumas if they want to do something constructive for playoff purposes. Uh, Alabama really needs to just uh, have a good showing, uh, almost as good as the Week 7 showing for them to kind of solidify themselves into a playoff-ready squad. Uh, Denver against San Diego Surge. We just talked about the Surge right now. San Diego really mustering and getting back to what they were playing prior to this uh, Majestic uh, clash. And so Denver, uh, week seven, it was 30 to, 30 to uh, eight versus Vegas. San Diego obviously coming off the 47-27 win over the Rebellion. So a pretty strong showing by, by both teams in, last weekend. Now it is a situation where Denver, if they want to play spoiler, can they come in and really kind of play spoiler in a way or lower the ranking for San Diego surge? It is San Diego's game to come here and make a statement take another uh, win here and go into the playoffs with obviously momentum. Uh, New Orleans against Houston, a battle of two winless teams here. Um, they clash for the first time here. So at this point, it is who's going to end up the season with a win. It is really what it boils down to. Uh, the Hippies have played decently decent ball uh, through the last couple of weeks when they were playing, uh, including the Utah game. And now Houston has been probably the toughest schedule for them has been facing, obviously, Texas Elite twice. You have uh, Utah. Um, I mean, all the, their schedule has been tough. And so at this point, it is the Heat's kind of moment to make a statement here, whether they can rise and really make a statement here for the win, or will it be the Hippies that make that statement of they end up their year with a win and momentum for next year in terms of getting that built up. So it's a battle of winless teams in the WNFC. So it kind of shows you exactly how the situation is going to boil down to. Los Angeles, uh, the Bobcats taking on the Las Vegas Silver Stars. Silver Stars here. Uh, week 7, L.A. lost 13-6 to the Rebellion, a very tough loss. Offensively, they couldn't get anything going. Things just didn't work out for them. And unfortunately, uh, the result is that. 
Las Vegas, 30-6, to uh, lost as well to Denver. So two teams coming off of some crucial losses here in terms of building up towards a playoff position. L.A. in a better position for the playoffs. So Las Vegas really comes in here to play spoiler. Can, if the Silver Stars can somehow muster a win against Los Angeles, it really puts a damage mode in terms of L.A.'s playoff positioning. So L.A. really in a must-win can't let down here against the Silver Stars. They got to get the, that win. They got to get the win. Uh, Seattle versus the Rebellion. So uh, Nenji Martin and company in San Diego, really, they need to really uh, uh, focus on this. Uh, Seattle had two, almost two weeks off. They're coming in uh, into this game, obviously, to just finish strong and get into that playoff. They're already in the playoffs. So uh, Rebellion looking for a playoff spot. Uh, it would enhance their positioning there. Um, top ranking right now for the WNFC, it looks like Texas, uh, number one, Atlanta, number two, Utah, uh, number three, Seattle, four, San Diego, Surge, five, uh, Alabama, six, Nebraska, seven, and L.A. Uh, Bobcats. So top eight get in, top four in each conference. So um, it's going to think it'll work out that way in, in terms of that. But L.A. and San Diego, L.A. and San Diego Rebellion pretty much on the bubble at this point in terms of they, they got to get the wins this weekend. So it's a really important for them to kind of muster a win. Uh, Utah, 5-1. and one. Seattle, 3-1-1, and one, uh, given the tie against San Diego Surge. Uh, San Diego Surge, 2-1-1. One and, one, and we're talking about the Pacific Conference um, rankings right now. And L.A., 2-2. Two and two, And San Diego Rebellion, 2-2. Two and two. So the wins have to be there. If L- L.A. wins, they pretty much mark themselves at top four in the Pacific, so that means a playoff berth. Uh, San Diego Surge, same situation. I mean, San Diego Rebellion, same situation here. So they got to get that win. So it's really a situation where they got to just muster that win and get 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 that win. They got to get a win. Uh, Atlantic race, pretty much set already. Texas six and zero, undefeated, just waiting for the playoffs. Atlanta four and one. Alabama three and two. Uh, Nebraska, interesting here, three and three. Um, so it looks like that's going to be the case. Um, so the Pumas in crucial state. Um, in, in crucial state here for the Pumas, and it's a situation where um, you have um, them kind of playing spoiler at this point, so we'll see how that works out for them, but um, it looks to me like they are the ones to play spoiler. They got to play spoiler um, if they want to do something different here, but um, obviously it's a situation where Nebraska is already pretty much in at this point because they don't play, um, so it's just a matter of fine-tuning themselves for the playoffs. Uh, looks like right now, as it stands right now, the Atlantic race, it would be Nebraska facing uh, Texas Elite. Uh, so at this point, <laughs> probably not the not the best matchup you want to be in in terms of, you know, uh, going into the playoffs. But unfortunately, you know what? They faced them before, but this is more for the big marbles. So it could we could have an upset. Never know. It happens in the playoffs a lot. So it would be number one against, against number four. Number two, Atlanta versus Alabama. Sort of a rivalry here for them as well. So it's kind of good matchups in the Atlantic, in the Pacific, given the results of this week. If L.A. wins, then we have Utah versus L.A. And then you'd have Seattle one more time rematch uh, against the San Diego Surge as it stands right now. Uh, The week nine rankings uh, will be coming out, I believe, Friday. This coming Friday will be the finalized rankings, uh, coaches poll plus the uh, WFRC. And um, so they'll, they'll finalize those and then the playoffs will be uh, a discussion about where, where to go and who what and who gets in. 
and the WNFC uh, will uh, kind of work into that. Uh, let's bring in our panel here, uh, Troy Wilson, into the house here so we can talk about some of the stuff that's going on here. Hey, Troy. Are you there, Troy? Can you hear me, Troy? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you clearly. Okay, good. All right. Yeah. So, Troy, uh, I'm just talking talking WN, uh, WNFC right now in terms of the playoff picture. There's a couple th- a couple teams that just have to have wins. Uh, the Bobcats must win to get in. Uh, San Diego Rebellion must win to get in. Um, so, literally, just there's a couple teams that just are on the bubble and they got to win to get in. Yeah, the Rebellion, um, you know, they, they had a nice shot um, at the surge this weekend. And, and uh, you know, they didn't really come through. Um, they lost by 20 points. It was uh, – but they do put up a good fight. Uh, you know, we know the surge puts up a lot of points, but uh, the Rebellion just really couldn't hold up. So, I mean, it, it, it'll be – it's a tough task for them. But, you know, going forward, they still have a shot. As long as they can um, – as long as they show up and, and, and play with, you know – with with a bit of it, with a bit of urgency, I think they have a shot to do so. Um, it's going to be a tough road, though, man. Um, I really thought that they had a chance this weekend um, against the surge, uh, but you know the surge just really was just too much right now, and they kind of got there. Um, they got back on this on on the right track for themselves. So it's going to be a tough road for the rebellion going forward. So Troy, really, uh, Los Angeles really uh, is the one that cannot play down because I don't think Rebellion is going to match up against Majestics. That's just my feeling right now, but they've had a good season. So, I mean, they would finish at two and three, uh, worst case scenario. Uh, and they played some tough teams on the pet, on the Pacific. So you got to give them that at least they played, you know, Majestics, they played surge. They, they played LA. So they, they the schedule was pretty tough. Uh, and given that offensively, they were one man show with uh, an NG Martin pretty much at this, but they got to fix that for next year. Uh, defensively, I think, to your credit, yeah, they they have that pretty good pretty good club. So um, at this point, it would be Las Vegas to play the spoiler against the Bobcats. Yeah, with um, you know it's gonna it, it's tough with the Bobcats. I mean, because like you said, I mean you you you're rocking with really one horse um, that's really been doing a lot of the work. And if you do something to corral that horse, it's it's gonna be tough sledding for them. The Rebellion did that uh, a week ago. Um, where they beat them thirteen to six, and that's what I kind of thought that the rebellion would be on on a bit of an upswing, and, and LA kind of took a step back with them. But you know, right now, you you gotta. I would say I, I would favor the Bobcats right now. Vegas is struggling a little bit. They lost to Denver. Um, I like. I really like what the Bobcats are doing. I think that they have the better chance out of those teams. Um, but I would say that San Diego really has a uh, – out of those three teams that we just talked about, San Diego, L.A., and Vegas, I would say the Rebellion has a better chance. Uh, but if it's going to be between L.A. and Vegas, I think I will go L.A. I really think that, you know, they have the, a bit of a better team. So I, I think it will be L.A. The Bobcats will be able to, will be my vote on that one. All right. So in the in the Atlantic, Troy, it's pretty much all set. Uh, there's not really much of a critical state in the Atlantic. I mean, Alabama should take care of the Pumas. Uh, I mean, you know, unless the Pumas are listening, they're gonna have, they got something different to come up with. But the Pumas are two and three. 
uh, on the bubble there. Nebraska's three and three. They already finished their season. So if if the Pumas can pull this out and take care of Alabama, then we got a, a situation on Friday where the WNFC has to make a decision about a tiebreaker between uh, Nebraska and North Florida. But other than that, if uh, Alabama takes care of business, uh, we're looking at Texas number one, Atlanta number two, uh, Alabama three, and then Nebraska gets in as number four. So very impressive for Nebraska to get in. First-year program against the top teams like the Spartans. Um, I think that says a lot about their program. Yeah, I mean, what they started to do was, was um, you know, they, they, they're out there making plays. And especially, like you said, it's their first go-around on this one. And so you got to take the hat off to them. I was impressed with, you know, a couple of victories that they had. One was against Houston where they shut Houston out uh, 35 to nothing. I thought they kind of, you know, made them made people aware of them at that point. So, if you know, getting a chance to make the playoffs here. But if they ran into a bus off, um, you know, last week against Utah, you kind of would expect that. Utah just they're, – they're just, you know, a high-octane offense. They're a story program. You're going to have tough sledding. I mean, they've been around for a while. The You know, the Nighthawks hadn't been. Uh, it's their first year in, in, in playing football, period. So you kind of expected Utah to come out on top of that one. But you know what? Nebraska has a lot to build on. They can hold their heads high, especially on this season. And I think it would cap it off, you know, uh, them getting into the playoffs and possibly making a run there because when you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So all they need is a shot. Yeah, that's going to be great. So the the schedule for uh, WNFC coming up is uh, Alabama, North Florida, uh, Denver taking on the surge, and a battle of winless team. Who will win at, at this week? You know, uh, L, uh, New Orleans against Houston. So intriguing as to who's going to get the win at the end of the year here, Houston or New Orleans. Who wants it more? Um, and then Las Vegas against L.A. Um, Custis and company out there taking on Nenji Martin and the Rebellion on the WNFC side. So pretty interesting. We have uh, the playoffs will start in terms of June 13th, June 15th on the conference side. And then uh, the uh, nine cup championship will take place on June 29th. So that's what the WNFC schedule looks like right now. If you start uh, adding up everything else that's happening there. Um, so we'll go to uh, the WFA uh, in terms of what's happening there in the WFA. Uh, it was week eight as well in the WFA. And so, Troy, no surprise, uh, Divas, uh, Divas played pretty well against Columbus. Uh, Columbus, really impressive. They played pretty decent ball as well. Um, but Detroit did fall, Troy, against Pittsburgh at home, 35-16. So, Kazo Baker out there, take care of business on the road. Yeah, I mean, they had to bounce back game after losing a real close one to D.C. Um, you know, they, they wanted to get it right, and they went on the road and just went ahead and got it done, um, uh, knocking off Detroit, who had, you know, had a lot of momentum going into this game. So that's an impressive win for the Passion. you got to take your hats off to them for that one. So um, D.C., uh, Troy D.C. takes care of business, 58-28. Uh, at one point, it was never closer than 20. 20 points, but you got to give Columbus credit. They did maintain at some point some, some, you know, held them down, held them down. But, uh, you know, uh, the DC divas do what they do. Uh, you know, uh, Congialdi, uh, Floor, Scott, everybody else, a lot of weapons there. 
So 58-28, but hats off to Columbus for hanging in there and making a, making a good game out of it. So 58-28 was the final over at St. James. Now D.C. goes on the road, three straight, and, and then the final clash, final weekend against the Renegades. Love how D.C. is just keeping it rolling, um, scoring a lot of points. I mean, I really haven't seen this team air it out like they're doing now. Um, and they are having a, a great time with uh, Kanji Aldi at, at the quarterback position. One thing you do have to be concerned about with D.C. is what's going on with their defense. They've allowed a few points. Uh, they've allowed uh, 21 last week, and then you also allowed 28 this week to Columbus. So that's something that they're going to have to pay attention to and possibly shore up, especially if you want to make a run. Because let me tell you something, Boston is not um, – they're, they're going to they're gonna be there at the end. So you have to go up to, you know, in, into that area uh, to take on that team. you got to have your defense together with you, and you don't really want to get into a shootout with them. The D.C. Divas do have the, the firepower to keep up and definitely beat them. Uh, but, again, you want to shore that defense up going into the playoffs, so now's the time. All right, Troy, the, the, the team that we weren't talking about all year, but we seem to be talking now, Nevada Storm and D3, uh, ever since they beat Sin City, they just completely start to just more confidence here. 44-0 to zero shutout against Kern County, uh, the Kern County Crusaders. So uh, Nevada really putting themselves in a good position. They are uh, also on the Massey uh, radar as well. On in the, They make the top 10 in Massey overall. So pretty good job by them. Excellent job by Nevada. Um you know, shutting out Kern County 40-40 nothing. Um, they have a lot of momentum going on right now. They're undefeated. They've really just been knocking teams off, still only allow 14 points in the season after six games. So they are on a run right now. And you know what? The big one is coming up this week where they have to go on the road to Cali War. And that's just – that right there is going to probably be the game of the week. I, I would think you would agree with that one. Yeah. So you want to see how they yeah, play sure. against that Cali War team. Troy, what do you expect there? Do you just want uh, – I mean, I know Cali brings a lot of firepower and everything else. Do you expect just, uh, you know, Nevada to get beat by two touchdowns or something, something of that worthiness? Or we might get a shocker. You never know. You know, I, I love to call out these shockers. I love to call upsets. Uh, I think this would be the upset of all upsets because, I, in my opinion, Cali War is, you know, if not they're the, if they're not the best team, I would say they're in the top three. Um, but I really think Cali War is just a little bit too powerful for Nevada. Um, Nevada is, is is up and coming. The Cali War they they've been there for a while, so I'm going to take Cali War in this one. I think it. it I don't. I, I'm. I, I think it may be. By two touchdowns, maybe even more, but I think uh, Nevada—they come out there and they—they they put up a, a nice fight. And again, you know, they put themselves on the map already this year. But I think with a good showing against Cali War, you're announcing yourselves to the rest of the WFA that they are forced to be reckoned with going forward. It's a cool story to to kind of reel uh, reel with. So um, we're going to reach out to Nevada, see if we can get some people on talk about the season because they've had a great season so far. So we'll try to see if we can get them on here. But Cali War will take on uh, Nevada. Nevada, obviously, uh, uh, 44-0 against Kern. Um, Troy, what do we say of the slam 
just doing a number on the Vixen. The Vixen thought – I thought the Vixen was going to play a lot more better and everything else, and uh, it didn't turn out that way. Uh, St. Louis just 31 of 14, and technically the last 14 points came in the last uh, almost five minutes of the game where they kind of scored in the last you know half of the fourth quarter. But for three quarters, they just dominated. You know, I think in doing that, St. Louis wanted to send a message. They wanted to send a message, you know, to the WFA, and then you you send it to the defending champs. Um, I really like what St. Louis has done. You've been talking about them all last year and this year, and right now they they have arrived. Um, And it's sort of like we were talking about with Nevada. Uh, We were saying the same thing about St. Louis maybe a year, maybe two ago. Uh, that they were an up-and-coming team, and I just think that they've made it at this point. I mean, that's a tough ball club. Uh, to, that's a tough nut to crack right there. And um, they pretty much handled Minnesota, and, and Minnesota is no stranger to championships. So th- this is an impressive win for St. Louis. I really like what they've done out there um, with that program. And, um, man, that, that that's just a really, really, really strong showing and win for that team right there. So if you guys missed it, um, it's on Town, Town Square TV at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Views, courtesy of Town Square TV. You can watch the replay there. St. Louis Slam taking on the Minnesota Vixen, an amazing game there. And Troy, Taylor Hayes, Jamie Gall here, they are just putting up points. And so, you know, to beat the D2 champions from last year, uh, you would think, you know, they're out for revenge. Their schedule is going forward now. Uh, they only got about, what, three couple weeks. Derby City, better watch out because they're coming. And so I, I think they're going to finish strong. And they might even finish undefeated just to get to, uh, to the playoffs. I mean, they look that good. Yeah, I think they're going to run the table. I mean, coming up, they have Cincinnati Sizzle and, uh, and the Columbus Vanguards coming up. I think they'll handle that team easily. They're putting up 38 points a game right now. And they're airing it out. They're running the football. They are. It's hard to game plan for a team that can do both very well, and not to mention they're playing defense awesomely. So you like what they're doing. I mean, they're they're just going to be a very very tough out. And going into the playoffs right now, they have so much momentum being undefeated. Really like what they've done being six and zero right now. And I do think that they're going to run the table. I, I agree with that. I think once they're finished with the season, they'll be the top seed in D two. In my opinion, where's the Massey ratings at? Um, where are they at in the Massey ratings right now? So St. Louis overall is number number four. So it's Boston, okay. D.C., Cali War. Then you have St. Louis, uh, Detroit, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. So those are the uh, and on oh, Mile High. You can add Mile High. Uh, so that's the, the the Massey ratings there. So they're they're basically number one in Division Two right now. In terms of Massey, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they they've had a strong showing all year, and there's really not a team that's really kept up with them that that much, you know, except for Kansas City. Um, and I'm that's just for them to beat Minnesota the way that they did is very impressive. So we got Pittsburgh really coming on. I think they're trying to make a last push. They've been battle tested. Uh, somebody to watch for would be the Passion as well. Uh, Detroit, we will see how they rebound after this loss last weekend. Uh, we'll see how they uh, rebound. We'll see what Minnesota does, rebound as well. We'll see if they get the rebound win. Uh, Mile High 6-0, and we haven't really talked about them except for the beginning of the season, but they're making their statement in their D2 run there as well. And then, uh, like I said, hats off to Nevada for making the top 10 and Massey overall. 
So it's pretty, pretty impressive by them as well. So really, really impressive. Um, the other uh, game we had talked about is uh, um, uh, Shockwave take care of business against Tacoma, 56 to zero after coming off the Cali War battle, and then Pittsburgh, uh, 35 versus uh, Detroit, 16. So that's literally the other games that we had on there. So coming up this weekend, uh, let me look at the schedule here that I have written down here. Coming up this weekend in the WFA, crucial matchups. We have uh, basically two weeks to go before the playoffs. So it's kind of everything's tightening up where you're going to be in terms of positioning and everything else. Um, Philly, uh, Phantoms, 3-3. Three and three, they, will, they will take on Boston Renegades, 5-0. and oh. So uh, do we chalk it up and just check it off now? Or do we? Do you think of the Phantoms have a prayer here? No, I think Boston dominates uh, from beginning to end in this game. Philly is a they're, they're a tough they're a tough squad. Um, you like some of the things that they've done. They've been kind of up and down this year. They beat the teams that they should have and um, had a few tough outs, uh, especially that Baltimore game at the beginning of the year. But I think Boston is just too strong right now for them. Give me Boston in a blowout. Yeah, I'm I'm agree. I'm with you with there. I think the champs are just chopping. They're eating. They're eating. They're spooning all the time. And then you got the firecracker Ruth Mata going. It just it's it's almost like DC. It's just too many weapons. Too many too many players to cover. Uh, so talented and stuff. So uh, Boston, I think, takes the win here, and they move up to six and zero. And they're obviously overall they're the number one no, number one team nationwide, and there's a good reason for that. So you know they just they just they know how to win. They win. Um, D.C. travels to Richmond. Uh, this is a uh, I feel sorry for Richmond game, you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, D.C. is, is raring to go, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they just flat out put up points, and they're just really going to be hard to stop. I think they are. They have ramped up that offense um, at high power right now. Again, I'm so impressed with Amanda Conjialdi and the way she's, she's throwing a rock around the yard. Um, you know, she added some more touchdowns to her repertoire this weekend. And I just think going forward, they're, they're just going to dominate um, up until the point that they get to the playoffs. Well, they, they do All have right, the uh, fifteenth game we, against, they do have that June 15th game against Boston. And I think that one really is going to be more so for seeding. And um, that is a huge game. That's a huge, huge, oh, yeah. huge game. I cannot emphasize that enough. Because I mean, again, that's that's really for seeding. That's also for your power rankings for those who want the bragging rights. But you know what, seeding is be is going to be more important. If DC wins that game, they're probably looking at home field for the playoffs. So that's a huge game for them. They want to get sharp up until that point. You expect Richmond and Cleveland to be tuned up to the DC Divas until that game comes up, and they have to go on the road to Boston to play that game. It's going to be a tough out. Troy, I have this fear factor that this could go over 100 against Richmond. Could be oh, ugly. Yeah. Oh. oh, man. Yeah, that that's, that. you know, uh, poor Richmond on that one. Uh, like what they've done uh, with their program and, and the things that they've already uh, accomplished, um, especially beating Connecticut the way that they did last week, uh, beat them 22-18. to 18. Love the way that they play, but you know what? D.C. is just a little bit too much for them, and, you know, they're, they're going to have to grow a little bit after this. All right. Um, Troy, do the Nighthawks, the season is 3-3. Three and three. They were playing pretty decent ball at the beginning of the year, and now they're, they're going up against Connecticut. Connecticut, same story. 
They were playing pretty good ball, and all of a sudden now they've dropped off. So two teams uh, kind of at the midway point here, three and three probably, and they they got to find their identity. Who's going to want to win here? Uh, Baltimore, I think, needs to get back on that winning track. Expect Baltimore to get right this weekend. We have no idea what's going on in Connecticut. They just lost to Maine 14-12. to 12. Maine has been uh, pretty much couldn't get out of their own way most of the year on offense. Um, they But they've been playing tough on defense. They managed to slow down the Hawks enough uh, to get that win. I, I, you know, Connecticut is, is – they're reeling right now. And I think Baltimore has a very good opportunity to, to get, you know, back – uh, to get back up there, uh, they the last three weeks they played Pittsburgh, the New York Wolves, and Boston Renegades, some tough squads. Um, but I think this run, this is where they get right. We have no idea what's going on in Connecticut, um, but whatever it is, I don't expect them to fix it this game. Give me Baltimore on a get right game. All right, so we get Passion a Toledo could be a forfeit here. We haven't heard yet. Uh, last week I believe it was a forfeit for Toledo. I don't know if they're going to muster up and, and show up. If they don't, uh, it would be basically a, win, a forfeit win for Pittsburgh. Uh, so we'll stay uh, you know, attentive to that and see if that's going to happen. But uh, I think of the passion, either way, we'll get a win, whether they get a forfeit win or whether they have to go on the road and take care of Toledo. I just think they're just, you know, they're, they're right after that D.C. loss. I think they're just, you know, they're hungry just to get, make themselves back into that uh, playoff statement. So, and so the rank is themselves as well. Uh, Detroit, do you believe Detroit maybe uh, rebounds against the Fusion after that loss? Uh, I think Detroit does. Um, I think they. this will also be a get-right game for them. This will be the rubber match uh, where they have to go, where Cleveland has to go to Detroit. Uh, Detroit won the first matchup earlier this season, 21-6. to I expect them to continue that. Cleveland, is that you know, they play tough um some of these games but i just think detroit is just going to be way too much for them give me detroit in this one here troy uh the uh champions orlando anarchy just on a roll similar to st louis really looking to just get back and take another title uh they're going to take on d2 miami who has rebounded in the last two weeks so this is really a, a miami fury game that they need to step up uh, otherwise, uh, Orlando has just been playing lights out, and this would be a great statement game for Orlando going into a playoff, close to the playoffs here in two weeks left, to beat up a D2 team like Miami. It would be. Uh, Miami struggled. Um, um, well, they beat they, they beat struggling Daytona uh, last week, 26 to nothing. Um, Daytona, I mean, Orlando is not Daytona. So Miami's going to have their hands full. I don't think this is going to be close. Orlando has just been destroying people left and right. I think it continues this week. Give me Orlando. All right. Um, Kansas City, 0-6. Massey, very friendly to them based on their tough schedule and adjustment. Um, they're going to be taking on Dallas Elite, 4-2. Dallas hasn't played really much anybody up to this potential. So it's going to be – Really, a statement by the Titans here. Can they beat the Elite and get their first win of the season? Much needed, um, lighter game, dare I say, uh, for the Kansas City Titans. They have really played a very, very tough schedule, as you said already. I mean, just look at the horses that they had to play. St. Louis Slam, Cali War, Minnesota Vixen, Mile High Blaze. And, and some of these teams, they played them twice already. We already stated that some of those teams that we just named are either at the top 
or the top four of the, of the league, and then you also have the defending champions. So no easy schedule for Kansas City. I think when they play the Dallas Elite, who was not the Dallas Elite of last year, I think Kansas City gets their first win this week, and they do it on the road. So give me Kansas City in this one. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling that you do. I think Sowers and company really, you know, they get a big road win. Um, but, you know, their schedule has been very tough. you got to give them credit for playing close games, for, you know, doing their, their part as well. And every team you mentioned right now that they faced again is in the top ten in Massey. So their schedule is pretty – that's pretty impressive. you got to hats off to, to that Kansas City uh, team for being hard-nosed and tough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they have not quit. And I think that is the makings of a team that has character. Um, again, you got to take your hat off to them for that one. And I just, you know, it would be great for them to get a win to see this um, this game. It's something I'm pretty sure that that team is looking forward to. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know they're looking forward to playing this game. They're going to give their best as they usually do. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the results are. All right. Um, St. Louis takes on Cincinnati. She was sent a postcard and says, don't show up. Because literally that's what's going to happen. Just to, Oh, man. I feel you bad know, for the Cincinnati already. You know what? They're going to go out there and compete, but I just think with St. Louis, man, they're just on such a roll right now, man. It's really going to be hard to slow that team down. I mean, they just – I mean, the way that they beat up Minnesota uh, last week, especially throwing points on them at the end, a little bit of insult to injury, but I think, you know, what they wanted to do was send a message. And I think whoever St. Louis Slam – the St. Louis Slam goes up against, they're going to send them a message loud and clear that they are the top team. They want to let people know that they're the top team. And um, I think it continues this week. All right, Troy, uh, Minnesota has to rebound against their rival, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's played well all season, 5-2 and two also as well. Uh, very tough rivalry matchup here. Um, they're going to be on the road at Minnesota. Uh, so you guys you know, pretty much can watch it at the Hub. We'll keep tabs on the links as well. But uh, the, the Dragons would love nothing more to give Minnesota another loss. That would be two in a row uh, with only a one with uh, about a one one week and a half into the playoffs to get ready for the playoffs. So Minnesota really needs to rebound in, in this game, I think, more so than anything. Well, I'm not sure what happened, but it looked like um, the Wisconsin Dragons already forfeit this game. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I mean, um, I really would well. Like I to think know. it's injury. Probably has to do with some traveling the traveling concerns. But I was really looking okay. forward to this. But, yeah, to your point, um, I just saw my notes coming coming back on the bottom. My note says, yes, they have. So, Minnesota gets uh, literally a rest, I guess, a week rest. Yeah, and, you know, the first match that they had against them was 50 to nothing. So, I'm not sure exactly what Wisconsin would have done. Um, maybe they just waved the white flag on this one. Hopefully it is just injuries and it wasn't the white flag issue. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, hats off to those guys. Uh, Minnesota gets that week off. Much needed, I'm sure, to get their ducks in a row after that St. Louis win. So I'm pretty sure Minnesota will be grateful for the week off. All right. So the other team that we got to look at uh, this week is the battle in Texas, Arlington Impact, taking on the Houston Energy. Energy undefeated in D2, Arlington number D1, 5-1. and one. It is, I think, a situation where – uh, the former IWFL champions of last year, the Energy, are proving to the WFA and D2 that they are here to compete. And Arlington really needs to step up. If they get beat here, it's going to say a lot about uh, the Energy. And I think the Energy technically, 
based on what they've done in the past and, and what, what kind of programs, they should have been classified D1, but they have not been classified D1. So it's a D1 versus D2 top duel in Texas. Yeah, I, I really think that the uh, the energy, uh, they're, just, they're showing how powerful that they are, and they're flexing a little bit right now. Um, they've already beat Dallas Elite earlier this year, uh, 20 to nothing. They uh, beat uh, Arlington Impact this season, 34 to 14. And that's really the only time that a team has scored on this team all season. So I really think Houston right now, they're flexing. Um, and I think that continues this week. Uh, it's, it's not even going to be close, in my opinion. Um, the way that this team has been rolling over teams, I expect them to continue the same trend. All right, Troy. So that's uh, week nine. Week nine for the WFA. Top billing games that we're going to be watching for. Boston, Philadelphia. We got Baltimore, Connecticut. D.C., Richmond. We talked about Detroit, Cleveland. Orlando, Miami. Uh, Kansas City on the road against Dallas. Houston versus Arlington one more time. St. Louis at Cincinnati. Uh, Nevada taking on Cali War. Kind of the interesting game would be that one to watch because I really want to see what the Storm bring to the table in terms of against the top-tier D1 team. And I think that's going to work out really well for them in terms of a gauge. If they can stay somewhat close, if they can be competitive with Cali War, uh, everybody in D3 needs to watch out, maybe besides not, not so much Orlando, but on the, on the West Coast, then uh, I think you, have to, you would say that if they can stay competitive with Cali War, uh, Nevada has made their statement of being the best in the Pacific. Not to mention the Storm have to go to Manhattan Beach in, in California to win this, to, to play this game. So it's going to be a tough shot, man. Um, oh, wait a minute. They're playing this on – I'm sorry, they're playing this in Nevada. Okay. Yeah, so they – so, all right. So they're playing the home game here. Uh, well, I'm sorry. They're, they're mixing these up. Sorry, the schedule says both. I'm I'm going to say Cali War wins. I think they're on the road. Wrong. Yeah. They're, they're they're way too strong. Cali War is just um, you know they're heading up, they're they're one of the top teams out there. Nevada's trying to get there. They've been dominant all season, but I don't think they've seen the likes of Cali War um, at all this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how it all pans out in the end. All right, so that's WFA Week Nine. It's going to be very interesting in terms of the matchups. We got w, WNFC Week Nine as well. Uh, so keep an eye on Twitter as well at Gridiron Beauty. Go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. And if you guys haven't gone to the No Joke Football Shop this weekend, uh, the sale ends tonight, 9 p.m. Uh, on 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific, which is 12 midnight Eastern. The, the special code is Memorial Day with a Z. Memorial Day and then add a Z. Save 20% off at the Zazzle Shop, at the No Joke Football Shop. You get leggings, tees, and everything else out there, as well as pretty cool brands like Marvel and DC and everything else out there. So check it out, help us out, support the project uh, at Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop. Zazzle has been our sponsor for almost six years. Without them, we would not be on the air. So we really appreciate everybody going there. Check it out. If you can get anything out there, get the uh, throwback No Joke Football shirt. It's a black and silver. Check it out and support it out and, uh, you know, post, post it out. You get to see our girl Sasha Cruz out there, Smooth Lori Jones, uh, Kelsey Cristiano, Anna Garza, Michelle Marshall. Everybody's got no-joke football gear, and those are our uh, 2019 athletes that are uh, helping us out with uh, promoting the brand as well. So check it out at uh, zazzle.com forward slash grand beauties. 
and uh, at the No Joke Football Shop. Use the special code uh, Memorial Day Z. Save 20% off. So it's pretty cool. So, um, Troy, let's go to Canada because uh, Canada, I got one more week in Canada, and then we get the uh, playoffs as well. So they start early here. June 1st is week four. So let's recap week three here. Uh, Calgary, literally 76-0 to zero against Northern Anarchy. Not a problem here. Two easy wins for Calgary. Week one, 75 to zero against Northern Northern Anarchy, and then in week two, 55-25, the most competitive game they've had so far against Lethbridge Steel. So this coming week, uh, Calgary is taking on Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta, and the Edmonton Storm has had a pretty good running here. Besides the loss in week one, 51 to 14 against Lethbridge, uh, Edmonton is really. Uh, doing a good job 56 to zero against Northern Anarchy, of course. And then uh, last week you had 33 to 20 against the steel. So the class of Alberta here, uh, the rage last year played it very exceptional this year. They've done the same uh, two wins, two easy wins against Northern Anarchy. Doesn't tell the story here, but uh, it's going to be a big test for Calgary right here. And it's a bigger test for the storm to kind of prove who's the better team in Alberta. Are you still there, Troy? No, if we lost him. Can you hear me, Troy? I think he dropped off. So we got uh, the Battle of uh, Alberta coming up here in WWCFL. It's going to be Edmonton taking on Calgary. And like I just mentioned right now, the uh, 76-0 win against Northern Anarchy. They got a 55-25 to win against Lethbridge. Um, pretty impressive wins there on both parts. Uh, but now it's a, it's a really a clash here this weekend to finish off the season in the WWCFL. So we'll see exactly how the Rage against the Edmonton uh, Storm, 3-0 Rage undefeated, taking on 2-1 Edmonton. So we'll see how that turns out. But very, very offensive-minded in terms of the Rage coming into the season. We also have Lethbridge against Northern Anarchy. Should be an easy statement win here. Northern Anarchy has really struggled all season. I don't foresee them going any further with this so I think Lethbridge should improve the two and two to finish the season this year two and two unfortunately Northern Anarchy is 0 and four if they lose this coming weekend um, just a program that needs a little bit more time I think they just need to kind of figure that out and then uh, Winnipeg will be taking on Manitoba Manitoba back to reality as they took on these uh, Valkyrie uh, the Valkyries 37 to zero shut out Manitoba fearless Manitoba really uh, came off a really big win against uh, Regina Riot in week one, 34-9. Then they go into week two, 54-0 against Win- uh, Win- uh, Winnipeg Wolfpack. But unfortunately, uh, you know, the Valkyries are way different, way different team. Matheson uh, and company out there just do their job, and they've done a great job there. And they hold uh, Manitoba to scoreless, 37-0. Uh, Regina rebounds after uh, a tough loss against the Saskatoon Valkyries in week two. 38 to 13, and so they rebound. Regina 63 to zero against Winnipeg Wolfpacks, and so that right there is the setup for this weekend. It is Edmonton versus Calgary in the WWCFL, Lethbridge versus Northern Anarchy, Winnipeg versus Manitoba, and it's going to be Saskatoon taking on Regina, which is the battle of Saskatchewan, and that's going to be a good class 3 and 0 against 1 and 2. Regina has not been the same this year. Uh, obviously, a different squad and everything else. But still should be a great battle at Mosaic. Um, and then we got the conference 
uh, quarterfinals, uh, June 8th and 9th. That will be the kickoff for the quarter, uh, conference quarterfinals. June 22nd and 23rd, we have the cross-conference semifinals. Uh, and then uh, June 29th, WWCFL Championship in Regina as the uh, Regina Riot will host the 2019 WWCFL Championship. So it's going to be a pretty interesting weekend for the WWCFL. Um, it's, just, it's just one last week, big-time football here, and uh, it's been impressive so far. You can get uh, Regina Riot uh, um, coverage on Access 7. Access 7 is part of uh, in Regina. So Regina Riot Access 7, you can catch it there if you live in Canada. You can uh, get uh, access to it there for a small fee as well. And then um, shout out to our uh, No Joke Football supporter out there, uh, Amanda Ruler, for being on Access 7 as well. So awesome job there for her as well. So we'll touch base on that. We go to Finland. In Finland, you got uh, a couple weeks already in, in the books. Week one was in May May 11th. Turco 46 to 30 over Kualpo, who's playing uh, who's playing their first season. Uh, and then uh, Helsinki Wolverines 42 to 12 over the uh, Russian uh, Valkyries, St. Petersburg Valkyries. Then it was uh, Helsinki Roosters 20, and then Tampiri 25. A big statement win in week one for Tampiri against uh, an ex- uh, established team like the Roosters, 25 to 20. So it worked out really good there. The champions 42 to 12. Then you go into week two, which was May 18th, Helsinki Wolverines 61 to zero over Tampiri uh, Saints, and that was a big big statement game. It was 39 to zero at the half. So really impressive. Um, you know, the Wolverines just keep it going and rolling. Guapo Steelers, 52 over 22 over the Valkyries. Uh, it was 26-14 in terms of the Steelers. Steelers also a first-year team in this, in this series here, in the Maple Series. So really impressive so far over two weeks here. And then Helsinki Roosters once again lose 56-0 to to Turku Trojans. Uh, and, um, and and so just 2-0 and Turku now. And you have uh, 2-0 and Helsinki Wolverines as well as 1-1 one one Tampiri, 1-1 one one Coalpo Steelers. Uh, this, this past weekend, we'll get the results from um, Helsinki. Helsinki Wolverines were, were going to take on Coalpo Steelers. Valkyries were taking on Hels- uh, Helsinki Roosters. Uh, Turku Trojans will be, uh, would have been taking on Tampiri Saints. So coming up June 1st, uh, May 26th, um, May 20, I'm sorry, June 1st, Tampiri against Coalpo. And then you got Valkyries against Turku. Helsinki Roosters taking on Helsinki Wolverines for the battle of the city of South Helsinki there. So pretty impressive so far in the Finland matchups as well. Uh, and they go through um, September 1st is when the finals happen over in, uh, in uh, Finland. So July 21st, um, it's going to be Kuopo. Uh, Kuopo, uh, July 21st is the last week, week 10. And then the, the actual finals are September 1st. And that's going to concede there as well. So Division One uh, upgrades as well, and they have two divisions, and we only keep up. We only keep track of one division in terms of the uh, Finland game. We also have uh, the games in in Sweden as well. So we'll keep up on the Sweden games. Cal, uh, Kalsbrad Crusaders, uh, I believe they 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 uh, forfeited the game this weekend against that matchup. So we'll get a rebound win. I mean a rebound game. This coming weekend, we'll kind of touch base with that as well. WAM should rebound this weekend, so we'd have notice on that. The other thing is in Brazil. Over in Brazil, the championship in Brazil of the uh, Paranese Championship will take place here. You can catch the game uh, courtesy of RIC 
uh, on at the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. The game that happened this past weekend against the Cold Killers and the Coropa, um, the Coropa Silver Silverhawks. So it's going to be the the um, championship game coming up, and we'll kind of get a link on it as soon as we get the um, network to help us out with that as well. So you can go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grand beauties. You get everything there that you need to know. The rundown is happening as well as the action. Uh, Liga del Pacifico, the football. Liga Football del Pacifico kicked off this weekend. You can check it out. TVP uh, Los Mochis, TVP Mazatlan, TVP Culiacan, and, and also uh, thanks to Cam Media over in Mexico for giving us the highlights there, and you can catch it right there at the hub as well. So, uh, Troy, I was just talking about Finland, pretty uh, awesome season so far as well, going strong, and then Sweden kicking off. We got Guam back in action this week. Uh, Brazil Championship coming up this next weekend. Uh, just a lot of stuff happening as well as the uh, Western Women Canadians uh, matchup this weekend, as we talked about, Edmonton against Calgary, undefeated Calgary, 3-0 against Edmonton, 2-1. You got Lethbridge against Northern Anarchy. Uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Manitoba comes back to uh, reality after uh, getting uh, shut out by the uh, Saskatoon Valkyries this weekend. Are you there, Troy? Hello? Do you hear me? Yeah, I, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, sorry. About that. Yeah, lots going on over there in Eastern Europe and, and, and Canada. Um, a huge matchup. Can't wait to see what happens with that one. Um, anytime you got undefeated teams going head to head, you know you you know you want to pay attention to see who's going to separate themselves. So we'll definitely look forward to that one. So we got a big battle, Troy, coming up in the, uh, in uh, week four, June first, coming up here in the Canadian uh, women's. Western Women's Canadian Football League. Uh, we have Saskatoon taking on Regina. Uh, Regina, not the same team as last year as well, because they had, remember, they got beat in week one against Manitoba, 34 to nine. And so uh, they've, so far, they've, uh, they haven't rebounded. Uh, they, week two, they lost to Valkyries, 38 13. And so they get the rematch here, final season. Uh, I just think uh, Saskatoon really is uh, up for it this year, and I think they're, they're going to probably uh, finish strong. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it, it was. It, it's odd uh, seeing the um, seeing Regina. The right. It just it, it's just seeing them, uh, you know, struggle the way that they've struggled. I mean, we're so used to them being on top of the world, being on top of their division. I mean, they, you know, the entire league, and to see them struggle right now, it's it's um, just it's still trying to get used to that one. Um, but you know what? That that's just opened up the spot for someone else, and and we have some people that are taking advantage of that. So I'm definitely um, I'm still shocked by it. Uh, you know the Regina riot. Like I said, we're just used to them uh, displaying excellence, and this year has just been a struggle with them. I still would like to know uh, what's really changed uh, with that team, and apparently a lot of changes have taken place. But uh, they're on struggle street right now, man. Yeah, I think roster-wise, probably one of the main things that happened, and more likely that's what happened at this point, because I think that, and then they uh, they cha- they had coaching changes as well, from what I heard. So there's probably a combination of both. Uh, Manitoba, Troy can finish strong here. They're two and one right now. They would take on Winnipeg, zero and three. So this would be the first time in their history the Fearless would finish three and one going into the playoffs mode. Yeah, I mean three and one. That's um... You know that'll get you in the playoffs, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. 
That yeah, also I, that also is going to get you Saskatoon one more time, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get another shot at them. Yeah, why not? You know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, if you can get into the playoffs again, that, that's what really one. You know, if you can get a chance to dance, man, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, so that's uh, I'm not laughing because it's it's bad. I, I'm laughing because I think it's a good sign that they've improved, so they get a crack at another you know another shot at the at the top team in the in the league, which is good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so um, Edmonton, Calgary, Troy, the Battle of Alberta, uh, the Rage. The last two years have played really good ball, and last year they obviously couldn't finish it and couldn't get the the trophy. So it looks to me like they were hungry this year, and they're proving it. And so their two games, their big game was 55-25 against Lethbridge. That was a real test because the two other games, it was against Northern Anarchy, and those were just 75-76-0 to blowouts. So really it wasn't tested there. So the real test was, uh, was against uh, Lethbridge. So here we are in week four. They have to make a statement game here. If they can beat the Storm, they go into the playoff mode pretty well intact. In uh, but the question will be, can they take down a Saskatoon? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the question. I mean, so um, you like the way that they've played this year. Um, I, I, I was really surprised at, at the storm um, and how they've acquitted themselves also. Um, so it's going to be a tough matchup for them. Lethbridge, I think, um, well, I'm looking at the schedule here. I'm sorry. Who's Lethbridge play next? I'm looking at the schedule here. My my schedule is a little bit hokey here. Um, so week four, week four is going to be uh, Edmonton, Calgary, then Lethbridge, okay. Northern Anarchy. Then it's uh, Winnipeg against Ma- Manitoba. And then it's Saskatoon, mm-hmm. Regina. I got you. Okay. I- I'm looking at it now. Yeah. They don't have the results up on the website. This is a uh... – I got to get my other results over here, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, the, the, the results last week was 63 to zero, uh, Regina beat Winnipeg. Then it was 37 to zero, um, Saskatoon taking a Manitoba. Then it was uh, Edmonton 33 to 20 over Lethbridge, which is a good win. And then it was 76 to zero, uh, Calgary against Northern Anarchy. Got it. Yeah, man. So, um, those are, it seems like a lot of beatdowns going on in that in that, um, in that conference, man. So uh, it's, it's good that Regina got back on the winning side of things, uh, beating the Wolfpack the way that they did. So we'll see if they can continue that one also. Yeah, I think the two weakest teams in this league are probably Winnipeg and Northern Anarchy right now. Two weakest teams. Yeah. Uh, if you If you take them two out for whatever reason, then you would really have a week-to-week clash mentality, <laughs> which would be brutal, I think, for everybody, considering everything else going on. But uh, overall, I think, you know, the, the Battle of Alberta happens this weekend. The, batter, the Battle of Saskatchewan happens this weekend. And the Battle of Manitoba happens this weekend as well. So it's a pretty interesting uh, final week for the WWCFL. All right. Um, Troy, let's go into Legends. Uh, let's talk about the – matchup that happened here uh last week uh we had atlanta versus los angeles 34 31 and uh your girl out there the snake is back and she kind of proved it early and on and salerno looks like it's uh she's back to her old 2012 form where she's taking the ball and just brutalizing people at the uh in the red zone 
Yeah, man, that that was a that was a tough, tough knockout, dragout game, man. That that's um that that was a tough matchup. You love the way Salerno plays. Um, I just I'm really in awe of how she how she does her thing uh, on the field. But I think the biggest thing that we can take from this is that Atlanta seems to have gone back to their ways of just falling short. Um, they just really, really can't get it together in these big games. Boy, and I think boy, that last play for a score, they, my my girl Marshall's open, and they didn't throw to her. It's a cardiac yeah. kid, last play of the game. She's open, and they decide not to throw to her. I'm like, what is what is what is Dane Robinson thinking? That's a playmaker right there. Yeah, that's um. You know, I just think they missed that one. Um, I'm pretty sure you can go back throughout the entire game and pull out a whole lot of different, you know, scenarios of if you had this here and had that there. Um, But you know what? At the end of the day, man, Atlanta just does not get it done. And the temptation did. And I think that, you know, you and I agreed on this one. Well, well, I'll put it like this. We weren't sure how L.A. was going to show up after Coach Tui left. but I, I think that they've really gotten it back on track after ever since week one, um, or their first game rather. And I think that they this was a huge win for them because you know this allows them to stay alive in that West, and that we are we all know that the West is stacked, and this is just a huge, huge, huge win for LA, um, so they can keep pace with this, especially with uh, Nas Johnson being out during this game. I think it was great to see them come back and and still find a way to win the game. And Atlanta just continues to find ways to lose the game. Uh, Dakota Hughes initially was going to retire. She comes back this season, hopefully, you know, hoping to be able to, you know, get that elusive championship, um, you know, for the Atlanta team. And it it just doesn't look like it's going to happen with this one, um, this season here either. Uh, They've just, it's just too much, too many losses, too many inopportune, um, uh, too much misfortune, excuse me, uh, at the wrong times, and it's just you know the same old song with 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 Atlanta. Troy, do you really think uh, Chicago and Omaha have a prayer to beat Atlanta? Because if they lose to Omaha and Chicago, that just completely tears away at the uh, goal for the season. No, I think they finish the season strong. I think um, you know with Chicago and Omaha, I think they win those games. And you just got to hope that it pans out for them as far as the rest of the teams in the East, um, you know, and hopefully they they falter a, along the way to allow them to sneak in there. But you can't lose the games that they've lost and um, and expect to, to win and, and expect to get into the playoffs. If they can do that, that'd be great for them because they're not a bad team. I think we can all agree on that one. They, they just, you know, they're just not showing up at the times that they need to. But this was a close game. I mean, both teams are good teams. You want to see teams shoot it out like that, but at the end of the day, Atlanta, you have to get it done, especially in this position. This was a must-win game for them, and they just couldn't get it done. Now, you got on the uh, temptation side, uh, Mariah Lopez, uh, she played an awesome game. They kept running it. She was really good. She, uh, between the tackles, got good vision. Uh, way, I think way better than Nas Johnson in a lot of ways. Um, so that was a kind of a bonus for them to have this rookie stand up this year and uh, – kind of balance out the play, uh, the run game with the passing game. Uh, the only, I think the only disappointment would be uh, 
Delaney Hall, who has not played to up to her potential in terms of a receiver. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a receiver position, I think that's a little bit more nuanced. It's a little bit tougher to play receiver um, in the LFL than it is to play running back. Um, so, you know, that may have to work out some kinks there. But I think I agree with you. I think Mariah Lopez, the way that she showed up out there, I think you can start, you know, we can start getting a running back controversy out in L.A. We love Nas Johnson, superior athlete. She's a great player. Uh, but Mariah Lopez just went out and got it done. Nas has kind of been struggling this year, um, whether it be from injuries or what have you. But Mariah Lopez, she got her shot, and she took advantage of it. She showed out. She was phenomenal out there. Carried the ball 22 times and never fumbled the ball. I mean, that was just – that's great for her. And um, it's efficient. She showed – you know, she, she you know, tucked her – you know, lowered her shoulder – and got the tough yards, and, and she also made big plays. So you got to take your hat off of that. But you know, you, again, you got to give LA credit for giving her that opportunity. Her being a second-year player, it's hard to you know rely on a young player. A lot of coaches, you know, they have um, a little bit of trepidation trying to rely on a younger football player. And LA just didn't seem to have that issue. They wanted to give her the ball, and I think that also took a lot of the pressure off Salerno. Uh, with her um, uh, playing excellent this year, but you also don't want everything to be on her. So they did a good job mixing it up with, between the run and the pass, and I think that's how you keep an, a, a team like Atlanta off balance, especially with all the stalwarts that they have on the defensive side of the ball. I agree with that, and I think reality sunk in for Atlanta towards the end there. Uh, it was just a situation where they were shooting themselves in the foot, uh, they weren't able to execute properly. Um, like I said, Marshall played her heart out on defense as well. So she was really everywhere on defense. It's a really good asset for them that way in terms of the cornerback. Um, but they missed out on that one play in the end zone where they could have been the difference maker. They would have tied it maybe overtime at that point. just didn't happen. Uh, Los Angeles, kind of to your point with the coaching staff, they kind of retooled and kind of revisit, re- revisit themselves after that uh, loss to Seattle. Uh, you play Gaxiola on both sides of the ball, center and defense. I think that says a lot about leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, speaking of both sides of the ball, not only did, um, did Salerno do that, but Monique Gaxiola did that. I mean, she filled in. I mean, she, of course, she's a Hall of Fame linebacker, but she also filled in at center. And you, you give her, take your hat off to, that, to her also for opening up a lot of those holes. Uh, for Mariah Lopez and, and um, you know, opening up those holes because Atlanta could not stop the run. And, you know, she she filled in excellently at the center position. So, again, L.A. is just, you know, with the with the players that they have on that team, with Salerno, with Mo Gaxiola, um, and the leadership that they're showing right there, I mean, that, that like you just said, that shows leadership, that shows hustle, that shows a will to win. And I think that happens to be infectious amongst any of the teammates that are in that locker room. So, again, L.A. showing out, showing out this past week against Atlanta. I, I really liked that game. It was a great game to watch, and uh, L.A. took it at the end. I think it's probably the best game uh, in the LFL season so far, not, not to take away from the week one Seattle-L.A. battle, but this is probably the best game in terms of, uh, you know, legend-style play, football. It was back and forth, very passionate, uh, both teams scoring. I mean, those, those uh, one-shot throws to Ziegler for touchdowns, 
that was just, you know, with poor coverage, that it was just, it's just the way it was, but it was very, very exciting to watch. Yeah, big time. I mean, like I said, man, they, they dealt with a lot of adversity last year with, you know, things, the way things kind of went toward the end. And of course, with Tui leaving and then for them to, to not skip a beat and, and come back this year, come back strong. And uh, even in even in that loss to Seattle, I thought that they played strong and they played well. And you know, you you expect a little bit of uh, issues. Number one, in the beginning of the season, and number two, you playing a fantastic team in Seattle. Um, but I think that LA has gotten their feet back on the ground. And the one thing we know about that team is they will fight. They will fight you tooth and nail. And and LA is showing that. And again, that's very infectious to that locker room. So you're gonna have. Uh, a very confident L.A. team, the L.A. Temptation, where they feel like no matter what game they go into, they have a chance to win. So they're going to be a tough – they're going to be a tough out uh, come, uh, going forward for the rest of the season and if they happen to make it into the playoffs. All right. So, Troy, uh, L.A. gets a rest. They're not back onto the fold until July 27th, and they take on the Austin Acoustic, the new-look Austin Acoustic with uh, Michelle Angel. So uh, she's going to be facing her former team that she started with. So L.A.'s got some time to kind of heal up, fuel up, uh, game plan, everything else. Uh, that would be a statement game for them if they go into Texas and win. Oh, yeah, big time, because I mean, we all saw what the acoustic can do. And we're very excited about what their prospects and um, how they play the game of football. And L.A. is, is probably they give them their respect. But we all we all know that LA's going to come in there and fight. So it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to see that. All right. So, Troy, um, for Atlanta, they would have to run the table. Chicago on uh, June 15th. And then they also get uh, Omaha on August 3rd. And they would finish, obviously, with one loss and uh, secure themselves a playoff position. So I don't think they have to worry about that unless they kind of give a game away at this point. The next game coming up this weekend, Troy, the new look, Nashville Knights, uh, Candy Cook and company out there taking on the Omaha Heart, uh, our girl out there, Anna Garza, uh, Lauren Crouch. Uh, they came in off, they're coming off that uh, beatdown in Seattle, 70-6. So uh, Omaha really at home. They need to make a statement here against Nashville. I think two teams on equal footings here. So it'll be uh, kind of the key will be how well does this uh, Omaha quarterback play uh, in terms of a receiver co- combo there with Garza. And if they can get that going, they could be explosive. I want to see what Nashville is going to do. I mean, Nashville, as you said, is a new-look team. They lost a lot of horses. They lost a lot of coaches. Um, what are they going to look like? Um, that's that's going to be a very interesting look. I really want to tune in for that one because I want to see – how you know the the team that went to um, that went to the championship game? How they're going to fare now? And I, I just really want to see what they're looking like this year. All right, so Troy uh, Legends Week One uh, will not be on YouTube this week. There's no YouTube on LFL. It'll be the week after. You'll get to watch uh, obviously Nashville Omaha, but this weekend you get Nashville versus Omaha at uh, at Ralston. Then the week after, week, uh, June 8th, you're going to take a Seattle Miss, taking on the Denver Dream. The big test for Denver here, uh, I foresee a same beatdown that they got versus Omaha. I just don't see them coming up with anything, but they could surprise us. 
Anything could happen. I don't see it, though. I think Denver is still dreaming. It's going to turn into a little bit of a nightmare. Nice little play on words there. Kudos to me on that one. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's not it's, That was good. That was good. Be good it, it's not going to be good there, man. It's, uh, so, yeah, Denver. Uh, I think, uh, the, I think uh, the result's going to be like the massacre in Seattle. It's just going to happen in Denver. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have to ice up big time on this one, man. All right, so uh, Denver, if you're listening, Troy Wilson says prayers. <laughs> you just write it off. Just, <laughs> you're right. It's, it's like well, the, they got to bless you, right? So it's, like, it's like the blessing. Hope for the best for you. Um, Seattle, just too many weapons. Seattle, just too tough. Um, and, and so at this point, we'll see what happens. They have to play the game still, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Nashville, Omaha coming up this weekend. Our, our girl, Anna Garza, going out there, a wide receiver, Troy. Pretty impressive. Multi-talented as well on defense. So, uh, if Anna can get it going with Lauren here at this point, uh, make a duo, you could see the heart uh, coming up with their first win of the season. Going to have to find a way to get your athletes the ball. Um, and uh, and Omaha is going to have to figure that out. I mean, that's just, that's just you know, the gist of it. What what can you do to get Anna Garza the ball um, if you're Omaha, you also have to use uh, Matei Vincent. She, I don't know if she's going to play this game, but uh, you got to get the ball in her hands. Uh, those are your horses. See what you can do with that one. And you know what? If you can find creative ways to do that, I think you have a chance. Um, so we'll see if they can get that done this week. All right. Um, check out everything that's happening in the women's game at the hub at facebook.com for Sasquatch Beauties. We got some cool articles happening this uh, today that kind of broke out, uh, so we'll talk about that right now, Troy. Um, so the NFLPA is sort of advising their players that we could have a lockout situation in 2021. So uh, the NFLPA president's pre, uh, you know being proactive by advising everybody, hey, you got to start you know putting away your uh, your money now in case something does happen. We also have the XFL looming. So we don't know how that's going to shake up everything else as well. So I guess that's a good sign that, uh, you know, the president is actually being proactive by saying, hey, look, look out 24 months from now because we, have, we could have a situation where uh, we have a lockout. Yeah, and the thing is that no one wants to, a lockout. Everyone wants to, you know, it's not in anyone's best interest to, to get this thing locked out. So hopefully they find a way, um, you know, to negotiate when negotiations uh, begin after the um, the NFLPA's collective bargaining agreements expires in 2020. And so if you are a young player, you know, it might be best if you go ahead and put that money away for a little bit because it's going to be hard to, you know, to find ways uh, to sustain your family if, if not. Um, and we've seen this before. They did lock out. They did have, a, you know, a lockout for the CBA. Um, what was it? I believe it was – 2011 and then we also saw a strike back in 1987 so that we don't want to see any one of those so hopefully they can find a way to strike up a deal but um you know it it, it is a scary thought to think about being without football uh nfl football rather um for the entire 2021 season uh that that's a scary prospect right there troy uh, are is the nfl being too generous to giving the the patriots a soft schedule for thirty the thirty year in a row. Um, 
the Patriots having a soft schedule, I think it's a little bit has something to do with the, you know, just the way that the schedule shook out. Um, because you know what, they do it on a round robin um, system where you're playing different divisions, and I think it's just the way it shook out. Not to mention they have uh, three teams in their own uh, division that are very weak in the first place. So that's six games that they typically win. Um, you might have a Miami win out of those every now and then, like you had the Hail Mary last year. But I think typically you can go ahead and write in the Patriots. I mean, what was I, I think I saw a stat before. In the last 19 years, the Patriots have won that division 17 times out of 19. So, I mean, that just kind of speaks to the dominance that they have in their division. So, they're going to be, as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are there, um, it's going to be a tough, tough time getting them off the top of that roost. And then not to mention they're just already a fantastic team as it is. So, even the teams outside of their division have an issue with them. So, it's not just them winning a weak division, getting into, uh, you know, to the playoffs. They beat anybody they go against, and I think we all know that. So, it really, I think, honestly, it doesn't really. And then when you talk about schedule being soft and weak and things like that, with the NFL, it's a lot of parity. Who knows what team is going to be good? None of us thought that the Bears were going to be very good this year, and they ended up being one of the, uh, the better teams in the NFL. And we're all looking forward to seeing if they can build on that. Uh, we expected some things um, out of some other teams out there, like Jacksonville. Jacksonville fared terribly. Um, we thought that they were going to be in the Super Bowl. At least I picked them to be in the Super Bowl with that defense and the way that they ran the football, and things just didn't shake out for a variety of different reasons, being injury. And then when things really got bad on defense, you saw a lot of infighting. Jalen Ramsey kind of turned on his team and rubbed people the wrong way, and there's been rumors that he may be traded out of there. So you never know how these things go. So it's very early to predict what the strength of schedule is right now. But all of those things have changed once the preseason starts. And then when the real bullets fly in week one of the NFL season, I think things will start to turn around as far as what teams are strong where. All right. So we can't, we, we can't blame the Patriots for uh, playing what they're scheduled to play at this point. But a lot of fans obviously feel like they just get a break. It's really what it boils down to. Yeah. So I think, you know, the uh, the funny thing is what, when it comes to the Patriots is that NFL fans, I think at this point, are just tired of the Patriots winning. And I think it's hilarious because if you love football, you got to love what the Patriots do, right? I mean, they do it right. You would love for your team to do exactly what the Patriots do every single year, and you would be fine with it. But, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, you do want to see a little bit more parity in the NFL, especially if it's your if your team is not the Patriots. But I think anything that the Patriots do, people are going to call them cheaters or saying it's been rigged or things like that. These are all just kind of excuses for, you know, their team not doing what they should be doing. I agree with you. I think it's over an overreaction in a lot of ways from a lot of people, but – the reality is they play their schedule, they beat who they have to beat, and if their division is that weak, then it's really – you can't blame them for the division being weak. It's just a mismanagement on yeah. the other teams as well. So you got to kind of, you know, go that route too. I've never heard of a team – I've never heard one team out there that say we can't wait to play the Patriots. <laughs> I mean, I've, I haven't heard – so just, they, they know. I mean, look, that's they're, they're the best of the best. They are the top of the line. They they get it done. We've never seen that kind of dominance in NFL football in history. So 
you know, before Brady hangs it up and before Belichick leaves, just learn to appreciate that team a little bit. You know, I know it's hard. Everybody hates Tom Brady. Everybody hates Bill Belichick. But just learn to step back, take your fan hat off, and just learn how to appreciate the beauty and the dominance that they exude, man, because they just flat out get it done. They know they have a program that works, and the Patriots just get it done no matter what and no matter how they do it. I don't care who else is out there. They figure a way to get it done, and they will exploit weaknesses after weakness after weakness every single week that they play. I love the way that they, they game plan. Bill Belichick, obviously, is a Hall of Fame uh, coach, and in my opinion, he's the best coach I've ever seen in the NFL. So, Troy, uh, it's it's kind of ironic, right? Uh, Tom Brady announces he's on Twitter, and and he just gets all these followers like right away. It just pisses me off. I've, I've been on Twitter for ten years. Can't I, I have to literally try to beg people to come to our our Twitter feed, and he just gets on there and just like boom, you know, all these like come on. Oh man, he he shut Twitter down for a little bit, man. So. Seriously, man. Yeah, I, just, oh, I was man. like, what? The? You know, I got to respect the guy as a quarterback, but come on. Hey, what can you do, kid? It's Tommy, man. It's Tom Brady. What are you going to do there, kid? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I should have sent a at Jack Jack complaint, right? Everybody complains at Jack for Twitter stuff. So I should have just sent it. Hey, what the hell is this? Putting Tom Brady on Twitter. I think it was more of the wife because he wasn't on Twitter ever. And I think the wife probably ended up saying, "Hey, you got to be on Twitter. You got to be marketable because you're you're on your last leg." More than likely, that's what happened. You know, last year he was doing a little bit more social media stuff. Like you saw him doing things on yeah. uh, Instagram every now and then. He was on mm-hmm. Julian Edelman's uh, Instagram, of course, Gronk. Yep. Um, and, and you know what? We really haven't talked much about that one, man. The Patriots. How are they going to look now that Gronk is as retired? That's going to be a new look team, man. I mean, that that is a huge cog because that guy, you really have to game plan. You really have to find out where 87 is on the field, and now he will no longer be there. I really think they're going to figure a way to just keep the ball rolling, um, especially since they added so many pieces. They can run the football with anybody now. Um, you know, with Sony Michelle back there in the backfield, he's, he's going in his second year. They just re-signed Julian Edelman. Uh, Bill Belichick announced that he has hired himself as a defensive coordinator. That should scare the hell out of a lot of teams out there because that guy is just an absolute genius on the defensive side of the ball. So, man, this is going to be an interesting season for the Patriots, man. But I just really think that they just keep the train moving, man. It's it's kind of sad, Troy, and in, in a way it's kind of exciting because if you're a Patriots fan, you're like, oh, my God, we lost all these people. And then you're like, oh, we still have Bill and, and Tom. We're good. <laughs> just literally how you have to yep. like, non-sweated, you know. <laughs> With you got, us and our team, you know, we're we're on a panic mode. We lose the one position player, and you're like, oh crap, what are we gonna do here? <laughs> how are we gonna look? <laughs> With that, yeah, kind of like, you know, I mean, chess pieces, you know. It's like, oh, we'll just bring another guy in. We're good. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's like you know we 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 already lost some people in, in the uh, you know to knee injuries already in the off season. We're all, you know Redskins fans are in a panic over here. We we haven't even seen this guy play it down. But you know the Patriots, they just they'll lose a guy. And you just they they're fine. They'll just keep going. They'll they'll insert somebody in there. They'll coach him up. They'll get him right. And you know even if it takes a little bit of time, 
they'll get them on the right track. And you you got to appreciate that, man, as a football player, as a football fan. You have to appreciate how they get their team ready uh, to play week in and week out. Uh, Troy, uh, there was an interesting article of courtesy of, um, I think it was on uh, on uh, SB Nation, which was, uh, what would it be the case if you had to substitute your quarterback? And they, <laughs> kind of interesting article, uh, put together tier one, tier two, uh, guys who could acceptably start in worse situations. So your number one chalk guy, if anything went happened to uh, Andrew Luck, would it be Jacoby Brissett, which I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, I like the way Jacoby Brissett, the way he played out in Indianapolis when he got a chance to start. Um, I like that, but you know what? I agree with you. I, I would not feel comfortable at all uh, with that scenario. Maybe he's improved up to this point, but last what I last saw out of him, he was a good player, but no, nah, I'd be panicking if, if, if he were my starting quarterback going into the season. That's a tough. That's a tough uh, move on there. All right. So the only the, the the second guy that apparently should be acceptably to start in a worst case scenario is Tyrod Taylor, which Cleveland fans probably are happy he's not there. Love Tyrod. I love Tyrod. But you know what? They had to go with Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was just he was the guy. He was ready. Um, I think they waited a little bit too long to put Baker in. And who knows, if they had put Baker Mayfield in earlier than week four, maybe they could have made the playoffs. Maybe they would have been 8-8 eight and eight and had their first, you know, non-losing season in, I, I don't know, maybe, what, 20 years. Uh, but you know what? They got him now, and they have all the pieces around Baker. So I definitely want to see what that looks like. Do, do, do you have this sinking feeling that with Mayfield – and then you got Juice out there, um, and then you have um, Odell Beckham, and all of these horses that you have out there. Nick Chubb, he's on, he's running the football. That defense was top ten last year. You just have a feeling it's going to be a little bit like Jacksonville, you know, where it's a oh, lot yeah. of hype going on. Oh season. yeah, I, I, man, I've been changing my mind back and forth on this. Too many distractions, just, Troy. It is. That's man. the key it's right there. Too, much too many on. high piles, too many, too many divas in one place. That's like that's just bad. Yeah. I think it. I, I, if they can, if they can change our minds, we would be shocked. You know, I mean, we'd be like turn around. Whoa, this is really what Cleveland's you know bought. But if they go south, we're gonna be like, whoa, this is not what they spend their money on. You know, it's a bunch of drunks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I mean, it could go that way. You know. But Mayfield, uh, yeah, I mean, Mayfield. there's no complaint. You got a quarterback now, and you got receivers, right? And you got a bunch of pieces to put together. So it's a matter of uh, whether they can make an impact. Because Pittsburgh, I don't know, Pittsburgh's still question mark there, like you said before. And you got Cincinnati question mark there as well. Uh, Baltimore. So, you know, but Cleveland is really it's, it's under the microscope given all the pieces they acquired. Not to mention, they put all of those pieces. And then they gave him a rookie head coach and Freddie Kitchens. I like Freddie Kitchens' pedigree, but is he ready for the top spot? Is he ready to manage a program that has that kind of expectations going into it? I'm not so sure, man. I just I don't know. I have a bad feeling. I just think it's really going to go belly up. I hope. Wow, I don't, I don't, Troy, what's, I don't, I don't, what's going on? You got to give the guys. You got to give them. Give the guys some hope. You give some hope. They give him all the. They gave him everything he wanted. They said, here, the best of the best, 
brand new quarterback, second year in. Uh, now you got to coach him up. Yeah, that's that could be bad. <laughs> Bro, it's Cleveland. <laughs> Seriously, Seriously, man. Seriously, AKA I'm with Murphy. I'm with you. You know, you got to be skeptic about it because it, it, you like to your point, it could go bad. As good as it sounds, yeah. as great as the roster looks like, we could it could go bad. Yeah, I mean, and it's early in the, in the off season when all the distractions, man. But it doesn't look what it doesn't look good, man. They don't look focused, and I'm all not right. sure you but, know if they need to focus right now. But we man, have to it, it look we have to apologize to all the Browns fans listening. Sorry, guys. We just we're just downers, but we gotta be realist. You know, what I mean, you, you haven't won in I'm a, I'm how many years? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a skeptic, man. You gotta you gotta show me first, boss. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, it's it bring the ice cream and the banana split. You gotta taste it. You know, <laughs> just showing it to, just showing it so it's not gonna do nothing, right, Troy? Like nothing, not gonna happen. We it looks taste good it. on paper, man. But yeah. It looks good on paper, but you got to put it together. I got to see it first. At, as uh, my friend would say, it's great advertising on, on on a poster, but can can you touch it and feel it? It's a totally different situation. You know, yeah. You know, I the biggest problem that I have is that you you fire your head coach, and then you bring in Greg Williams as the interim head coach, who was the uh, defensive coordinator. You win more games down the stretch than you've done in I don't know how long. And you don't reward Greg Williams for the great job that he did? You give it to Kitchens? I, I don't I don't know, man. I don't I'm not feeling Troy, I'm really not Troy, is that how you work as a boss? You got a great technician, does a great job. And then you said, Hey, I I gotta get I gotta get this guy over here who's who needs some uh <laughs> some work. So thanks for all yeah, you've man, done. That's a, exactly. That's a slap <laughs> in the face. That's a slap in the face. And now you got, you know, you ship and Greg Williams goes and signs with the Jets. That's a slap in the face of Greg Williams, man. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that really bodes well. I, I understand why they did it. You want to bring him. Uh, you know, you have Freddie Kitchens already on the staff. He worked well with Baker Mayfield. He got him, you know, ready to go. Um, he got that offense, you know, starting to go in the right direction. But I really think, it was Greg Williams who had the wherewithal to sit back and say, Look, no, right. I'll handle the defense, you handle the offense. And Hugh Jackson was out of the way at that point. And I think that there's some wisdom that goes along with that. But at the same time, Greg Williams has his reputation where he is hard to get along with. It happened here when he was with the Redskins. It happened a little bit, you know, when he was in New Orleans. But I still think you reward the guy who got you, put you in the right direction. Uh, I really think you award that guy for that one. I'm not in that building, obviously, so I don't know exactly what's going on behind the closed doors and things of that nature. But I think you should have rewarded, if you are Cleveland, you should have rewarded Greg Williams for a job well done. And they didn't do that. And I think you get a little bit of bad karma when you do stuff like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, The next guy on the list, Troy, Teddy Bridgewater, which we all had hopes. Everybody was hyped on this kid when he came in. And now it's he's become pretty much a uh, you know a, a lack of free interest for off season just to have somebody pick up some talented uh, player. So the Saints pick up a I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a security blanket for for a quarterback, but I mean if something happens and he's probably more than capable to win one or a couple games. But this is not you know something that you know you're going to sit on. And they got Mullins in San Francisco, the next on the list, Tannehill. 
in Tennessee and your boy Case Keenum in Washington. I love Case Keenum. I like Case Keenum a lot. I think um, Minnesota should have tried to resign him uh, when they had the chance to, uh, but they really wanted to go with Kirk Cousins and they thought they were one player away. Turns out that even though if you pay Kirk Cousins, he still has to have an offensive line block for him. Uh, so they needed some help there. But I like Case Keenum. He struggled a little bit in Denver last year. Um, and once, you know, they started to, you know, when they traded away, um, I forgot, they traded the wide receiver away to, to Houston. Uh, you really didn't have too many more weapons in the passing game. But you did have a guy like Philip Lindsay who came out of nowhere, undrafted free agent out of Colorado. He runs for 4,000 yards. And they look really good running the football out there. And I just think maybe if he would have got another year with Denver, he'd have been fine. But, look, he's a solid backup. He's a guy that, can, you know, can get you there in the pinch. And I think he'll do the same thing here in Washington uh, until they get their rookies ready um, to, to play the quarterback position. And, listen, he may not even play this year. But I think, you know, you're, you're happy with Case Keenum if you're Washington. He's a guy that's reliable and hopefully he can take care of the football a little bit because that's what you really worry about in any quarterback position is can you take care of the football? It's one thing to throw a touchdown pass, but the one thing that will draw that coach's ire is if you're turning the football over, whether it be through fumbles or interceptions. Troy uh, Haskins and Smith, and then you got Keenum. That's pretty good uh, Pretty good for the Redskins, I think, in terms of a safety blanket. Uh, what do you say of the Niners? They, they're No faith in Beathard. Uh, Garoppolo question mark coming back and so at this point it would be um, you know Mullins Nick Mullins so I think the Niners situation is way worse I liked I really liked um, uh, Nick Mullins I really liked him Uh, he came out of nowhere Beathard struggled mightily um, with the 49ers you had to replace him with somebody Nick Mullins came in there played better than expected. You couldn't have asked for a better uh, showing for him, especially when they were struggling that, at that point. Nick Mullins comes in and gets him a much-needed win. Um, I really like the kid. I, I like the way he plays. I really do. And I think Garoppolo will be fine. Um, he should be recovered, you know, um, at least uh, by week one. I think he'll be out there. Uh, but Nick Mullins is a backup. You got him some experience. Um, and that's what you really want. You want to, you want your guys to get experience. So the next time he goes out there and plays, it's not so much shock and awe. He's just going out there and, and you know, uh, going through his reads and progressions and, and getting the football out. So he knows the offense by now. He knows how to execute the offense. So I think the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, I think they're really comfortable having Nick Mullins out there. I think Beathard is probably going to be the third string or he'll have to go somewhere else after a while because he just did not show up very well. He didn't play well at all, um, you know, when he got his opportunity out there. And Nick Mullins did. He just played much better. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's the case. But there's a couple of teams that have some question marks. I mean, uh, you know, going into this whole season with quarterback up quarterbacks and durability and stuff like that. Um, Troy, what do we say? Is Kyler Murray ready to take the Cardinals uh, to the playoffs as a rookie? That's a big question that was asked uh, earlier on social media. Do you think Kyler Murray is, can take the Cardinals into a playoff mode? No. Um, and, and I think the only way 
that they make it to the playoffs is if they center the offense around um, around Johnson, your running back. If you can do that, and if you can get the ball into uh, David Johnson's hands, I think that's where you know you you're you're in you're in good hands. Now they do have they still got Larry Fitzgerald coming back. They got Christian Kirk, who was awesome last year. You get Kevin White, who was a washout in, in uh, Chicago, and then you also have the rookie Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. So he had some weapons. Now the question is: Is Arizona going to go to a regular dropback system with Kyler Murray, or are they going to do what uh, Mike Shanahan did with RG three in Washington, and that's do things that he is comfortable with? And I think if you are the Arizona Cardinals and you drafted this kid number one, you have to do what makes him comfortable first because he is going to be your day one starter. And you want to go out and, and, and make teams uh, a little bit scared when they come out and play you. And so the best way to do that is to use Kyler Murray's strengths. He is crazy fast. He's very quick. He has a great release. He is going to be a serious weapon. So it all depends on how they're going to use him. Um, so you got to see, you know, what, what that coaching staff is going to do. Um, I really like Kyler Murray. I love this kid, man. I mean, you, you, everyone who watched him at Oklahoma, I mean, you had to be in awe watching this kid roll out there, the Heisman Trophy winner. So if they use him correctly, I think they're in a great path. But as far as making the playoffs, it's going to be a tough – that's going to be tough for them, especially when in that same division you have the Seattle Seahawks who are not a, a, a weak team. You still got Russell Wilson on that team. And then, of course, the defending NFC champions, the L.A. Rams. So it, it's going to be tough sledding for them to make the playoffs, but I think they will make a dent, and they will be, um, you know, they, you, they're going to have to be reckoned with, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The struggle question will be in Baltimore. Will Lamar Jackson improve as a passer? He obviously had a, a poor showing. Uh, in the playoff loss to the Chargers, but they did get some weapons for him, uh, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin. Um, so we'll see how, you know, the uh, new era beyond Flacco starts uh, with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So looks promising in that sense, but at the same time, uh, sort of like wait and see uh, given last season. I think the two pickups that they had, I'm sorry, three pickups that they had in the off season, um, is going to help Lamar Jackson. One is Mark Ingram. You get Mark Ingram that comes over for the Saints, and now he doesn't have to share the backfield. You got your bell cow running back. He is going to be – he is man, this would be a perfect, perfect spot for Mark Ingram because the, the one thing the Ravens are definitely going to do is they're going to run the football. Is Lamar Jackson ready to throw the football yet? He's going to be able to throw some things. I think he's going to improve a little bit, but you're not going to see him become um, – he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers tomorrow. So it's going to take take a little bit of time for Lamar Jackson to get his stuff under control. The other um, great pickup that they had was drafted Marquise Brown in the first round. Marquise Brown was, um, you know, wide receiver at Oklahoma. And you talk about a kid with just amazing speed. That's the one thing that they need is to have someone take the top off the defense, and that's the one. And that's what Marquise Brown can do. So I think that'll be a huge, huge, huge pickup for them. Uh, the other great pickup for the Ravens was Earl Thomas. 
and that really does not get a lot of pub. And I think that should be talked about a whole lot more. Earl Thomas playing the free safety position for the Ravens is going to be enormous. They get the leadership there. I think you see that team go back to having the defensive prowess that they used to have, and that's even without Terrell Suggs on that side of the ball. Um, I think the Baltimore Ravens are in prime position to sneak up and take the division away from struggling uh, the, the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers and a little bit of the overhyped uh, Cleveland Browns. I think uh, the Ravens are in prime catbird seat to take it over. Troy, uh, let's finish up here. Uh, does Joe Flacco make enough to uh, lead the Broncos to the playoffs? No, no, uh, they, they don't have a shot. Um, I'll, Joe Flacco is not a guy that's going to take you to the promised land. Joe Flacco is a guy that, you know, really is going to help you manage, um, you know, things like that. I think, you know, them giving the ball to Philip Lindsay is going to be huge for them. But they're just missing. They don't have enough weapons on that side of the ball right now. You got Deshaun Hamilton, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, uh, Sutton. He came into his own last year. Um, you know, making huge plays, big guys, six foot four. Um, is Jake Butt going to come back? The tight end uh, that they drafted two years ago. He's been dealing with injuries. He's slated right now as a starter, and then you also bring in Troy Fumagalli from last year. Also, it's going to be a lot of tight end work. Uh, with this team because that's really where they're um, that's really where they they can attack at right there. But it's really going to be tough uh, for Joe Flacco uh, to do anything with the with, with Broncos right now, especially when you have uh, the Chiefs in that same division. Even with the Chiefs losing uh, possibly to Hill uh, for the season for the domestic violence issues, the Chiefs are still have the best coach team and they can they can coach up a lot of their players. And as long as they got Mahomes at quarterback, I think they'll be fine. Troy, I finish up with the Rams here. Uh, my Rams, uh, given the early situation in the NFC Championship game where you didn't play much, and then obviously in the Super Bowl, I think they've, you know, they made a mistake, big mistake, given the fact that they should have just, uh, you know, at the end should have said Gurley was out and should have just put in Anderson and all that. But will Goff and Gurley get past their uh, postseason woes is really the question. I, that remains to be seen because we, we don't know what's going on with Curly. I mean, I, I'm, there's so much speculation coming out about his knee. Um, man, that that that's a scary premise because you're looking at a guy who's the last, you know, two years we've seen him. This guy looks like a Hall of Fame running back. And now it looks like he possibly has some, you know, some lingering knee issues. We're not sure what it is. It may be arthritis. Maybe it's something they can take care of. Hopefully it's something they can take care of. But I think if Todd Gurley is not there, Malcolm Brown is an excellent running back. And then you just drafted Daryl Henderson out of uh, Memphis. He's an excellent mm-hmm. running back. So I think you'll get production there. But are you going to be able to have Todd Gurley-type production? Because he is just a difference maker. It's a reason why he's considered, you know, arguably the best running back in the NFL. You still have Brandon Cooks. You're getting Cooper Cup back. Jared Goff being in his fourth year. Is this fourth year or third year? Uh, but either way, he's he's gotten he's you know with that experience going to the Super Bowl, that definitely didn't hurt him. So I really like what they got going forward. They lost uh, some defensive players. You lost in Dominican Sue, but you know what? I think you 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 get a little bit back when you get Clay Matthews coming in there. You still got a guy like Michael Brockers 
And, of course, the best defensive player in the NFL and Aaron Donald. As long as you got that guy, man, I, I, you really have a chance to win. You bring in Eric Weddle also. Akeem Tlaib is coming back. Marcus Peters is coming back. I like what they have on defense because they can run. Um, hopefully they can slow teams down a little bit more and not get into so many shootouts like they did last year. Um, but I really like the L.A. Rams uh, this year, and I think they, along with the Dallas Cowboys, I think are, are are heading above everyone else in the NFC. All right. So check it out, you guys, at the Hub. A couple articles there that you can read up on from CBSSports.com, uh, SB Nation, some of the things that we've discussed right now. Uh, so check it out. Go to the Hub at Facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauties. Uh, check out the top stories at the Hub. Uh, it was St. Louis Slam undefeated, an article by Arch City uh, Media and their coverage. Uh, we really appreciate them covering the St. Louis Slam all season. So Arch, uh, Arch City Media, St. Louis Slam undefeated. You got the uh, champion. Congratulations to the champions over in Texas, the South Texas Generals, back-to-back champions, 66-38 versus the South Texas Cobras. Uh, so congratulations to them in the XFFL uh, championship, as well as in Spain. Uh, Valencia Firebat take down the Barbera rookies, Troy. That was a huge upset over in Spain. Wow. Barbera falls to the Valencia Firebacks. First season debut, and they go all the way to the finals. They take care of the Barbera rookies 12 to 6. Unfortunately, the side note is that their uh, Monica Rafecas, their main quarterback for Barbera rookies, was not playing. Probably a key factor, as well as their running back. Uh, went down during the first quarter, so that kind of hindered themselves as well. So regardless of that, uh, the Firebats take down the legendary and juggernaut that is the Barbera Rookies 12-6, to and they win the Spanish Bowl 2019. So check it out there as well. And we got the full game at the Hub, Facebook.com. You can watch it all through the full game. You can also get a replay via Town Square TV of the Minnesota versus St. Louis Lamb uh, game. You get a replay as well of the San Diego Surge versus the San Diego Rebellion uh, via WNFC TV and the San Diego Rebellion Facebook Live. Then you get replay as well as the DC Divas versus the Columbus Comet as well. And then the Atlanta versus Houston game on WNFC TV. Also, shout out, congratulations to Sam Gordon and her squad out there in the Utah Girls Tackle Football League. The high school championships happened this weekend, and her team won one of the championships in the senior division. So congratulations to Sam Gordon for the victory there. Uh, LFP, La Liga Football de Pacifico, returns via TVP, Los Mochas, TVP, Mazatlan, and Cam Media. So all season long, we'll be covering LFP out of Mexico. So stay uh, in tune with that. And as well as a lot of stuff happening in Brazil this next week as the championship is going to happen. Uh, and the Campeonato Paranzi, the uh, football Americano, thanks to RIC Maes for covering that, and we'll be network- networking with them going forward, as well as you can catch week one of XFL week one, the Beats versus Vela, Vela Raptors as well, and we'll be covering that as well. So a lot of happening at the hub at facebook.com for slash for beauties. Uh, new news coming out of events that came out. Uh, Yucatan Women Bowl is going to happen June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And that's going to take care in Mexico. It is uh, over on the Yucatan side of Osafa. So we'll be keeping tabs on that. And IFAB announces the European Women's Championships are going to happen August 12th through the, 4th, through the 17th, 12th through the 17th 
in Leeds, uh, United K over in Great Britain. So we got details there as well. So a lot of things happening. Go to the hub, keep up the, uh, in, in the know and uh, check it out. Go to the Dazzle shop as well. Memorial Day weekend sale ends tonight. So check it out. It's going to be Memorial Day Z. Memorial Day Z gives you 20% off. So Troy, uh, a lot of stuff happening in the international game as well, but uh, domestically we've got WFA Action Week 9, WNFC Week 9, got LFL coming up here, uh, Omaha versus Nashville. So a lot of stuff happening, including overseas in Sweden, Finland. we got uh, Guam back in action. we got the Week 4 in uh, Women's Western Women's Canadian Football League, Lexva, FX Mexico, um, FXL, WFL, LFP. Uh, I can name them all. They're alphabetically. But they're all in my head. So a lot of stuff happening overseas and ever women's American football. Yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on, man. We'll, we'll definitely keep you guys posted on everything that we have going on. Please take a look at our Facebook page, Gridiron Beauties, um, that I have all the information, all the results and scores, and all the upcoming events and all the upcoming games. So you guys can follow us there. And if you guys want to come on, please give us a shout. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to have you come on and, and, and interview and um, definitely appreciate you guys' support with everything that you guys do for us. Troy, uh, so officially got the email. We're going to be on iHeartRadio in two weeks. We will awesome. be on iHeartRadio in two weeks. So big time. Finally made it through. Got it done. And I finally got the official email. So pretty tickled right here. So we're going to be on uh, TuneIn. We already are. We got an Apple Podcast. We're on uh, Player FM, Google Cast, and a Block Talk Radio, uh, as well as iHeart Radio. So we're on every major platform that you can think of, and uh, that is huge. So uh, for us, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks everybody for sharing our stuff on our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, as well as uh, you know commenting and posting and things like that. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have anybody that wants to come on to get spotlighted, as Troy said before, just uh, shoot us a direct message on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. Uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. They're kind of busy bees during the week, but we'll schedule it up and take care of it. So a uh, big weekend coming up here, Troy. WFA, uh, we got WNFC, WWCFL. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of women's American football in North America is going to happen this next week. Yeah, man, we're always full, man. So, you know, Definitely keep the keep keep your ear to, to the uh, to the dial and check us out on our social media pages, man, because we're going to keep it coming, keep it all the results. Again, shout us out. Let us know if you want to come on. We love to have you guys come on, guys. All right, Troy. Thanks uh, again for coming in. Uh, enjoy Florida. I know you're going to be having a good time out there with family and everything. So safe travels to Florida. Uh, have a great time out there, and uh, we'll catch you here in a couple weeks if that's the case when you get back from vacation. So I really appreciate you coming on today. No problem, buddy. Anytime, man. I'll, you know I love talking football, man. This is like this is uh this is not work for me, man. This is all fun. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, dude. All right, Troy. I'll catch you on um in about a week or so. Have a great time in Florida. All right, man. Have a great one. All right, guys. Troy Wilson there, uh going on vacation. Uh, awesome. So uh he's always, he's in California. Now he's gonna be in my in Florida. So great, great job by him. So once again, you guys, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys uh, supporting us over six years. Zazzle.com has supported us, sponsored us, and we can be m- more happy with them. They have done a, a great job with us as well. 
Unfortunately, we need to support them too. So go to the hub at the No Joke Football Shop at facebook.com for slash Grand Beauties. You can get the Shop Now tab on there, or you can go directly to zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Check it out. T-shirts, leggings, everything else that you can get there. Um, everything that uh, our athletes are wearing, uh, Kelsey Cristiano, Anna Garza, Shaw Marshall, uh, Sasha Cruz, Smooth Laurie Jones, and many others. So check it out. Support us. Uh, get the uh, No Joke Football throwback shirt, the silver and black shirt. You get it for 20% off, and it's free shipping in the States if you pay $9.99 for the year. So it's a great deal on there as well. So check it out. Stay in the know. And you have been listening to the best podcast talking Women's American Football Weekly and NFL News globally. And we are the best, and we've done hard work, and we've done it, and we continue to do it. And we're going to be spotlighting the best athletes in the sport, and we do it weekly as well on this podcast. And you can go to the hub and stay up in the know. Uh, we have the best network people that we've basically arranged with because we have arrangements now with everybody. So I really appreciate everybody making the effort to feed us the link, the articles, and everything else that's happening in the women's game. Really appreciate our network. They are awesome. They're the best in the business, and we'd be more than happy, uh, you know, to spotlight them as well. So there's a lot of people that go, a lot of people we have to thank that goes into our awesomeness that happens on social media. So I really appreciate everybody networking with us and doing that part. So this weekend, really exciting. And as we go into the uh, week nine in both WNFC and WFA, it's going to be really great. Um, and then we also have, like I said, Legends play. Uh, get to see Nashville Knights for the first time against the Omaha Hearts. And then you also get uh, the uh, championship uh, over in Brazil. You're going to get to see as well more action in FXL, WFL, as well as you're going to get to see LFP Week 2, uh, courtesy of TVP as well. And so it's going to be really good coming up this weekend. So a lot of action happening nationwide with Legend Style, plus internationally in terms of full kit. So we cover it both. And we are the best at it, and we really appreciate it. So uh, great, great thing for Troy to come in for us today. Uh, we won't have our panel, which is Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics WFC and uh, Iowa Phoenix, Mackenzie Brooks of the WFA, or uh, Luis Bean of the Utah Falcons WFC. We won't have them back until probably another uh, 60 days. So until then, we are going to have uh, pretty much a lot of guests coming up here. We're going to have our Troy in and out and myself. So a really, really uh, good offseason here, and then we're getting ready for the NFL season when the panel comes back. So really excited about that. So you guys uh, help us out, spread the word, and share our podcast, and give us a rating. Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a nice uh, review there as well. You can go to the uh, Facebook page as well. So really appreciate it. So for Oscar Lopez and the rest of the panel, catch you here next week for 276 as we get ready for Week 9 in both WNFC and WFA. should be an exciting weekend. Have a great night, everybody.